Hey there, hi there, ho there. Welcome to another edition of the Michelle Mission Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And I am always joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, oh, you are in for a treat. Because, Vince, what month is it? It is October. That is is wrong, Vince. It is not October. Oh, I'm sorry. in the rest of the world is October. But here on the Michaud Mission, it is Black Horror (laughs) Month. (laughs) Boy. (laughs) I feel like Rick James. They should have never gave y'all N-words internet. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, man. That's, 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 That's nice, Lynn. That's nice. Real subtle. Black. <laughs> Real subtle. Got the red, black, and green going on. Oh, yeah. That's, that's... It's Black Horror Month, ladies and gentlemen, where Vince and I, uh, we dedicate all of our reviews to, to, to horror films that fall into the genre of black movies. And, oh, oh boy. We are you, going to have a lot of fun this month. Yes, yes, we are. Boy, you and your effects. <laughs> I tell you. you got I the bat to. base up and running. You don't even know what to do with yourself. I don't know what to do with myself, Vince. <laughs> I'm crazy. I'm running with scissors. <laughs> you know, the first apartment I got, I just flipped the lights on and off for like 20 <laughs> minutes. Mm-hmm. My lights. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's interesting. The first apartment I got, I um, I stood in the bathroom and I was like, they put a carpet here in the bathroom. I don't understand this. <laughs> my bathroom was car- carpeted in my first bathroom, in my first uh, apartment. Anyway. <laughs> Speaking of black horror. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it flashes. Black Horror Month, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Michelle Mission. Uh, Hey there, everybody out there watching us on YouTube and on Facebook. Aaron Fry, Robert Monroe Jr., Kay Martin, Bree Bree 517. Um, I'm sure Deborah Battle will be showing up sooner than later. Good Um, evening. Good evening, folks. Good evening. Yes, yes, yes. Um, we are going to get into a lot of uh, a lot of horror, and we're going to get into our movie that we are reviewing tonight, which is Vince's selection. Vince kicks off Black Horror Month with 2014's remake of the 70s classic Ganja and Hess. Spike Lee writes and directs. The Sweet Blood of Jesus. Yes, I guess technically we should say he co-writes it. Well, t- yeah, I guess he kind of like co-writes right. it. Uh, we'll get into all of that later on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it promises to be 
fun, I guarantee you. But before we do that, um, we have to take a look at, um, and before we even get to like some of your feedback from, from all of you, let's get into a little bit of news, Vince. And unfortunately, it's a little bit of sad news, kind of uh, related to Spike Lee, kind of related yeah. to this yeah. film, in fact, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. The actor Thomas Jefferson Bird, who has um, acted in quite a number of Spike Lee films, including The Sweet Blood of Jesus, um, was killed in Atlanta this past Saturday. He was the age of 70. On Saturday, Atlanta police officers were dispatched to uh, respond, excuse me, were responding to a call about an injured person at 1.45 in the morning. Upon arrivals, officials located uh, Bird lying unresponsive. Unres- Emergency medical services responded to the scene and pronounced him dead from multiple gunshot wounds to the back. Yeah, that's 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 a real loss. That is a real, real loss. I, I, I tell you, twenty twenty, man, twenty twenty, right? And right. and you know, it's like like you said, he's in this film, but just to sort of give you a peek into my review of it, you can tell he's really just doing Spike Lee a solid mm-hmm. because he doesn't really do much. No, in no. in this, and when you consider just how amazing he is or was as an actor in things like, like, you know, everyone keeps showing the, the clip of his introduction from clockers, mm-hmm. but, but he was amazing and bamboozled. Uh, we've get on the bus has been on my mind for the past. Yeah. Month. And yeah. I love him on get on the bus. And he was a real actor's actor. He was a real actor's actor. I, I I'm sure you remember both Omar Dorsey and Dorian Missick yep. praised him on and off the mic. Yes, you know, did. as a as a fixture in the Atlanta theater scene. Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's a real, real shame, and 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 I always feel sad when a brother like him doesn't get the acclaim. I feel like he should have gotten. I know, uh, Spike. Spike Lee paid tribute to him on Instagram. He wrote. I'm so sad to announce the tragic murder of our beloved brother, Thomas Jefferson Bird. Tom is my guy. You can see him as a frightening character, Earl Barnes and Clockers. Brother Bird also did his thing in my joints. Chirac, The Sweet Blood of Jesus, Red Hook Summer, Bamboozled, He Got Game, Get on the Bus, Girl Six, and Clockers. Maybe all wish condolences and blessings to his family. Rest in peace, Brother Bird. Yeah, and he played Nola Darling's father. In the television series, she's got to have it. Oh wow, I did. I, I wasn't aware of that. Right. So you you really when you look at Spike Lee's work with him, you really get a chance to see his range. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's 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 a real shame. As as you said, condolences to his family. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, I wanted to get into a little bit of feedback, uh, Vince, that we've gotten from some of our listeners um and i'm gonna go to i'm gonna go i don't often we we get emails from people all the time uh and we actually got an email uh, you, you might as well call this early part of the show the sarah elkins chronicles because um, okay <laughs> uh sarah elkins who is a new fan of the show has hey sarah actually 
actually uh, sent us an email. Let me see when we bring this up. Uh, Dear sirs, I finally caught up on your backlist of episodes of the okay. movies I, of the movies I hadn't seen already. Here are the ones I've decided to see, thanks to you, in chronological movie order. And okay. Then she lists the movies that she's going to see just because of our review of them. So Sarah's listening, Vince. So you tell her if any of these films, should, which of these films should she see first? She's putting well, them in chronological movie order. Before you read the list, is The New Barbarians on there? I'm looking. I'm looking. No, the new barbarian. Then that's probably for the best. <laughs> that's true. You know, it's funny. <laughs> the new barbarians. <laughs> a quick segue, um, <laughs> or aside. You know, for a long time, for like the first. 100, 150 episodes of the show, the running gag was, at least to me, that, you know, The Last uh, Dragon was like maybe one of the worst films we saw, if not the worst. <laughs> right, now, right. Now, according I, to you. According to me. Yes. Now, I, I have since changed my tune, okay? Yes, you have. I've yes, officially have. changed my tune. You have the glow. But there... <laughs> no, I've changed my tune. <laughs> I've changed my tune. <laughs> I'm not glowing. <laughs> I see y'all glowing. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> but, um, however, there are probably two films that are in the running for the worst films that we've we've seen. Okay, the New Barbarians is. Definitely one of them. <laughs> the New Barbarians. <laughs> I, I, I'll give you two shots. What do you think the second one is? I'm going to assume the $6 million nigga is one of them. You know? Or the $6,000, yeah. Because <laughs> that's my pick. <laughs> you know? I forgot about that one. Um, <laughs> right. It and makes yet, Soul Plane look like Daughters of the Dust. And yet, no. As I think about it, my choice is still worse than the $6,000 nigga. What? Why? What is it? Because the $6,000 nigga knows he's a $6,000 nigga. I mean, it's right, it's right there on the price tag. Rapping, on ah! the other hand... <laughs> Rapping is pretty terrible. <laughs> rapping, rapping thinks it's saying something. Rap, rapping is pretty terrible. <laughs> rapping, rapping is pretty terrible. I'm just saying. Although we are pro Kadeem Hardison getting checks, we are. We so, are. but rapping is pretty terrible. <laughs> but Sarah's list. Her list uh, again. This is in chronological movie order. Okay, so okay. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to give the years. Um, Body and Soul, okay. Border Borderline, The Emperor Jones, which is all actually right. on uh, was on TCM last month. All right, all three of uh, these are fantastic. 
Paris Blues. Oh, you know that's my movie. All night long, you know that's my movie. In the heat of the night, that's both there. our movie. <laughs> the split, a oh. uncovered gem. Yes, yes, yes. The landlord. Okay, yeah. All Cotton right. comes to Harlem. Yes. Buck and the preacher. All right. Coffee. Five on the black hand side. Oh, I like truck, five on the black hand. Uh, truck Turner. Car wash. Beat Street. Soul food. Why do fools fall in love? Medicine for melancholy. Mm. Girls trip. Widows. Little Woods. Okay, now for the record, we have not reviewed Car Wash or a Widows. I thought we reviewed... I know we didn't review Widows. I thought we did review Car Wash. We did right not now. review Car Wash. We have talked okay. about Car Wash. Yeah, that's probably... Well, that's probably why she's coming up. Right, right, in Widows. That's a great list. That's a very good list. That That is... A, yeah, that's... Yeah, Sarah, that's Sarah's a got a good list. time coming up. She does. She does indeed. Um, if I was going to recommend to her, I would say check out. Oh, I maybe say check out either Medicine for Melancholy or The Landlord first. Wow. First? Yeah, I'm going to throw one right down the middle and say in the heat of the night. Yeah, I was going to go there. I was going to go there, but it's Sydney Portier. I wanted to give her something different. Right, right. That's fine. But that's a great list. Yeah, it's a great list. And thank you for listening, Sarah. And and hopefully those are good recommendations. You have to let us know how you like them. Uh, She will. She actually hit us up on Twitter. Okay. Okay. and um, at, once she found our, our little show, I mean, she was ca- while she was catching up, um, she asked the question, just because Denzel Washington is the star, does that make it a black film? I just listened to the A Good Story is Hard to Find Catholic podcast review of The Book of Eli and now want to see it. But none of the trailers make it look like a particularly black film to me. Mm. Well, you know my shorthand. Like, I would automatically make the book of Eli a black film because it's black people in the future. Right, right. Me too. Right. So that's my shorthand. But if for, but say something like, uh, you know, I don't know, the Equalizer. Mm-hmm. Would we call that a black film? I think that is something you and I have bounced back and forth throughout our little journey, haven't we? We have. Uh, I think I've I've settled on possibly it is, but I you know who knows. Um, yeah. Uh, and Book of Eli is not bad either. Like we didn't do our um, our Octavia month this year because well we were already living in an Octavia Butler novel in August. I mean in April. True. But uh, Book of Eli has been on my short list for the past couple of years for when we do a science fiction film. Uh, notorious. H A G uh, on Twitter uh, hit hey. us up uh, and actually said that, in, and this was in response. I don't know if you realize, Vince, that this um, just this past week 
there was International Podcast Day. I did. So, I did. So the, a lot of people were going out there and they were, um, you know, showing love for their favorite podcast. And, you know, you know, God bless their hearts. A lot of people actually hit us up on Twitter, d- tagged us as uh, one of their favorite podcasts. Um, and, and, and we always thank you when, when people recommend us. We do. As a matter of fact, someone actually even recommended us. And let me see if I can find the tweet because I want to give uh, her credit. Hold on, Vince. Uh, yes, Looney Junie. Um, hey, Looney Junie. Recommended the Michelle mission to Kerry Washington. who All right. Uh, who on International Podcast Day was looking for uh, recommendations. You know, so I like that Kerry Washington. And that's exactly what we said. Uh, <laughs> the Notorious HAG said that the Michelle Mission is a delightful podcast I just found out about and have been listening to on my commute every day. I especially like their episode on a goofy movie. The discussion of <laughs> cartoons and representation is always interesting to me. There you go. There you go, Lynn. The goofy movie. Your choice. <laughs> that was my choice. Yes, it uh, was. And Matt Blurdock hit us hey, up Matt. and says, discovered Michelle Mission a couple of days ago, and I can't stop listening. Thoughts so far for y'all. Um, number one. Number one. Ten, well, it's only, it's only one. Oh, no, he okay. actually has, he has three. Um, okay. Number one, roughly 10 years ago, I bought Graffiti Bridge for $5 from the Blockbuster off Wilkins Avenue in Baltimore. It remains mm. the worst <laughs> decision I've ever made in my life. Yeah, that's... Yeah, Graffiti Bridge is tough. I yeah. said it on the episode. I'll say it again. I left I left the theater after paying to go see Graffiti Bridge and my stomach hurt. Like my stomach hurt. Hey, Lynn, Lynn, look, I couldn't believe that my beloved Prince could do something like that. Yes, he I did. felt betrayed. Yes, he did, and he thought he and he thought like rapping. He was saying something. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, number two, listening to Vince explain the usage of whore in Baltimore <laughs> brought me an indescribable joy. That's right, because he's a homeboy. <laughs> that's that's real that's real Baltimore right there. Okay. I forget. Is there some is there a special does whore have a special meaning in Baltimore? <sighs> right. Like like whore is non gendered. Oh, remember, whore was non-gendered, so it's like I can't even believe these whores left me here. Got you, got you. Right. Well, I don't believe you know. I don't believe all you whores showed up and brought plates. <laughs> like it's non-gendered and it's a non-sexualized insult, and mm. oftentimes it's not even an insult. It's not an insult. Not necessarily like, like, you know, you're playing a game or, or something like, you know, I can't believe you whores ate all the, ate all the wings. 
Like it's an insult, but it's not like a fight insult. You know what I mean? Okay. I think it can I almost be a term of endearment. <laughs> or not a term of endearment, but yeah, it about reflects no, but it reflects a certain I want you to go level. up to your wife and say, I can't believe you wore it on a potato sack. No, 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 no. Not only is it non-gendered, but you it's, it's a male term. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And it kind of shows kinship. Like, if I said to my boys, I can't believe you whores ate all the wings while I was gone, that reflects a certain level of camaraderie between us gotcha all right if you say so vince uh I'm matt blurred up, up. <laughs> matt backs one... me up <laughs> he has one last thing he says this podcast has given me the confidence to finally admit that baby boy <laughs> is by far my favorite bad movie <laughs> I love Baby Boy so much. I actually was watching Baby Boy maybe a week ago. Mm-hmm. Because you know the rule in my house. If Baby Boy is on, I stop on the channel. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard. It's, it's the, the rule in your house. Um, little Jody, little Jody. <laughs> hmm. Okay. All right, if you say so. But thank you, Matt. It, so is that your favorite bad movie? Oh, my goodness. Is Baby Boy my favorite bad movie? I mean, it's a tie between that and, of course, my beloved Tyler Perry's Temptation, a film by Tyler Perry. <laughs> Tyler Perry's Temptation, a film by Tyler Perry, brings me so much joy. Can't say the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I have a favorite bad. Well, no, I do have a favorite bad movie, but it's a movie that nobody's ever heard of or seen. It's called The Specialists. Um, oh. No, it's called The Specials. I think it's called The Specials. It's called The Specials. Um, it's a film about this like D-list group of superheroes, Right. Um, it stars Thomas J- Hayden Church and Rob Lowe. It's extremely low budget. Um, and and the best part of the movie is to watch it with the um, audio commentary from the from the producers. And there's <laughs> and and because they're they're like straight up about it. And there's a there's a moment where the camera is on Rob Lowe and it's like craning in because somebody's talking in the background and uh, it's craning in to Rob Lowe. And the producers, the producers are literally at that moment saying. I believe this is the moment that Rob asked himself, how the hell did I get here? <laughs> Well, I have to look it up. It's a horrible movie, but I, I, I'll lend it to you. I okay, okay, that's what friends are for. It's it's, it's so bad. It's a movie that I could I couldn't purge it when I purged all my DVDs and bequeath it to someone else. I said no. I'll I'll carry this one. <laughs> this will be mine. 
This will be mine. This is mine. All right. All right. Um, Before we get into our movie review, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to invite you all, if you have not already checked it out, giving you the heads up, the Michelle Mission, we got a newsletter. Yeah. Look at us. The Michelle Mission Dispatch. Um, Issue number one went out last week, and it included our entire lineup for October's uh, Black Horror Month. It included our entire lineup. It included um, a look at our new swag on Public, And the next issue of the Michelle Mission Dispatch will be going out, I believe, this Thursday. And it's going to include... Uh, one of our new features, which is called Lencast. It is a cast by Lynn. Looking forward to that. Because <laughs> Vince won't let me do it on the show. So I have to do it <laughs> on the newsletter. Hey, we have all kinds of outlets. <laughs> so, so Vince said, yeah, do that out there. <laughs> don't, do, don't do that in here. So look for Lencast premiering in the new Michaud Mission newsletter, the Michaud Mission Dispatch. And if you want to catch it, you want to get in, all you got to do is go to MichaudMission.com and subscribe. And you will be one of our subscribers to receive our new uh, newsletter. It's all right. Simple as that. Okay. Excellent. All right. All right. All right, right, Vince. It's time for us to get into Black Horror Month. (laughs) You know, Lynn, I I do have to say, I wish there were some special, there were some some sound effects. I know. I know. I know. That's the only thing that's missing. Because trust me, there would be thunder, lightning, and and, and a whole lot of screaming right now. Right. Like the first strains of Thriller or... You know, Ola Ray yelling. <laughs> it, we would, but that's not I was, there. I was talking to my daughter about Thriller about a month ago, and I said, some, 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 yeah, Ola Ray. And she was incredulous. She was like, you know the name of the woman who was in Thriller? I said, hey, 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 you better put some respect on Ola Ray's name. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 yeah. Everybody of a certain age knows Ola Ray. <laughs> About to say we we all knew Ola Ray. <laughs> <laughs> we all knew Ola Ray. You know, um, I don't know how much respect her name deserves, but hey, easy. Uh, okay, all right. Look, it, let's get into our review. <laughs> Let's get into our review, ladies and gentlemen, of 2014's The Sweet Blood of Jesus. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Mm. Uh. 
Where did you get all your money? That's an impolite question. They're the only ones worth asking. Now don't tell me your mother named you Dr. Green. It's very unfriendly. Change is impossible because we're addicted to our society, especially the upper middle class. The United States of America is the most violent country in the world. We're the best in the business. It's a lovely day. I don't like to raise my voice. Dr. Green, if I may say so, you don't look that good. Go away! What are you? I'm an People have many addictions. Sex, food, drugs, nicotine, alcohol, money, power, and blood. The Sweet Love of Jesus. The 2014 American horror film directed by Spike Lee with a plot about a wealthy anthropologist who was stabbed by an ancient African dagger and turned into a vampire. Spike Lee has said that this film is about human beings who are addicted to blood and called it a new kind of love story. The film is actually a remake of the 1974 film Ganja and Hess with original writer Bill Gunn receiving a credit as co-writer along with Spike Lee. This was also notable because it was the first of Lee's films that was funded through Kickstarter. The Sweet Blood of Jesus stars Stephen Tyrone Williams, Zara Abrahams, Elvis Nalesco, Felicia Pearson of The Wire fame mm. in a role that oh. you've never seen oh. her in before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I've and seen Snoop's breast. When I woke up this morning, I didn't know that that's what was going to happen, but you never know what the day is going to bring, do you, Lynn? You never know. That's why we get up in the morning, Vince. <laughs> That's why we and get up this, in the morning. And this film stars a Before he, We Knew Him Better and Before He Knew Better, Rami Malek of, um, <laughs> in The Sweet Blood of Jesus, Vince's selection for our inaugural film for Black Horror Month 2020. Vince, what say you of The Sweet Blood of Jesus? This is a film, and, and, and this entire episode actually will be a bookend or companion piece to our review of Ganjin Hess from mm -hmm. a few years ago. Because, as you said, it is a remake of Ganjin Hess. And, and I have to say, as I said on our review back then, I had never heard of Ganjin Hess until mm. this film was in development. And it was part of the publicity that that this was a remake of this 
dare I say, obscure vampire film from the 70s. And I have to say, this is a film that frustrated the hell out of me Mm. for a lot of different reasons. First and foremost, I think you always have to be hesitant when you say someone misreads a text. Like, I think that's kind of like, that's really arrogant to say that you didn't read it right. Right. So, so I will just say that Spike Lee making this film and making this film a contemporary film really contradicts the reading that I have and other critics have had about Ganja and Hess and one of the main themes in Ganja and Hess. And and one of those main themes is that this Ganja and Hess is a period piece. This is a film that is very much an artifact of 1974. And the way I always look at Ganja and Hess is it is this exploration of this post-civil rights emergent black middle class right you have dr hess and much like in the sweet blood of jesus dr hess is this anthropologist he lives in this huge mansion and and he is stabbed with this artifact from in ganjin hess murthia which Mm -hmm. is and and he they say it is an ancient african civilization and the whole film is about how he can't really make peace with this aspect of African culture. And, and he, he has these, these habits and he has the, this clothing style. And, and it, it's, it's almost like he wants to be a mannered English gentleman. Mm-hmm. And the whole film is this conflict between him trying to be this English gentleman and again, bumping heads with his African background or this African culture so that ultimately he dies. He kills himself right? and he, and, and he is exhausted and tired. And conversely, Ganja is able to navigate it in a way so that by the end of the film, she lives on. Right. So when you start there, I think this film taking place in 2014, this is after Terry McMillan, after Oprah Winfrey, after Spike Lee, mm-hmm. after Afropunk, after Blurds, after all of this stuff, so that this notion that black people are uncomfortable in these spaces and uncomfortable sort of integrating Africanness into spaces that they haven't traditionally been in just doesn't work. It doesn't work as a theme. And frankly, in this film, it doesn't work. As I said, in Ganjin has, he lives in this big old mansion and it looks Mm -hmm. like he has moved. It it was shot in a museum Yeah, and it looks like it was filmed in a museum. It's very antiseptic. It's very much, it doesn't look like a place that he lives. Dr. Uh, uh, Hess's crib in this movie is banging. (laughs) It is well appointed. It has all this beautiful black art. I think the sister that did 
of the, the portrait of Michelle Obama. Some of her art is in it. Mm -hmm. Like this looks like a black person's house. Mm -hmm. In fact, when I was talking to my wife about it, Wendy said, well, because you, we'll talk about the budget and it was shot on Martha's Vineyard. And yeah. Wendy said, do you think that was Spike Lee's house? And what I said was, I don't know. Because this looks like this could be where Spike Lee lives. Right. So you never have that initial drive that this is somebody trying to figure out his place in the world. Mm -hmm. Because Hess fits everywhere he goes. He fits on Martha's Vineyard. They show him in Brooklyn. Even when he's in the projects, walking through the projects, he looks, he fits in fine. Yeah. So yeah. you have that part of it. I think there's a dreamlike quality to Ganja in Hess that you have to have. There has to be this, this haziness almost to it. We talked about it last week with the landlord that Bill Gunn's script is almost like, well, I'm going to keep saying it dreamlike. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing dreamlike about this. This is a very, you, you know, straightforward shot film. This is very much a modern film. This is very much a film that takes place in actual places. So you never get that part of it. You never get the dream like part of it that, that you need for Ganja and Hess to work. Because his read of Ganja doesn't really work, it really does a disservice, I mean, to, to Hess. His reading of Hess doesn't really work. It's really a disservice to Ganja. Like, I think okay. one of the great parts of Ganja in Hess is it becomes almost this, this black feminist text by the end where Ganja is able to, again, navigate these two worlds. Ganja is able to do her own thing. We talked about it being the, the script from Bill Gunn, and it's pretty much the same story. He makes a couple of, he being Spike Lee, makes a couple of changes to the story. And in my mind, the absolute worst change he makes, and I want to talk about this a, a lot, you know, as, as we get into it, and Ganjin has, Ganjin has have a victim and it's a male victim. And you and I joked about the male victim on there. And then at the end, the male victim rises. And now this is the first vampire, basically. Mm -hmm. And Ganja's new coven. Mm -hmm. Spike Lee switches the sex or, or rather switches the gender. So now it's a woman. Mm -hmm. And it creates this entirely different dynamic that I think really, really undermines Ganja. Yes. In a way that is baffling for someone who has made this movie who, you know, I think Spike Lee loves this movie. So for Spike Lee to have made this change was quite honestly baffling. And Ultimately, it comes back to the question that I always ask about remakes. Was this necessary? Does this remake, 
justify its own existence. And this remake doesn't. But even with all of that, I could have just gone, hey, all right, whatever, it's it's a one-off. But I think what, what frustrated me the most about this film, as you mentioned, it was a Kickstarter. Yes. Spike Lee made this movie for $1.4 million. Yes. Which is nothing as far as a budget goes. I know we hear a million dollars and we go, oh, a million dollars. But just to put it in perspective, I looked it up. We all know the Tyler Perry formula. Keep costs low. Great return. So everybody talks about Tyler Perry makes his movies on the cheap. Right. The budget for his first film, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, was $5.5 million. Right, exactly. So Spike Lee made this film for a fraction of what Tyler Perry used for his first film. Mm-hmm. Spike Lee shot this movie in 16 days. 16 days in Martha's Vineyard, that's right. 16 days on a $1.4 million budget. And mm-hmm. I think this is a film that has a lot of of issues Mm. but this film looks good this film looks good the 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 composition of shots the 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 color saturation the sense of place because again he shoots on martha's vineyard it looks like he shot some in the projects in like he actually shot in brooklyn yeah went to brooklyn if spike lee could do this in 16 days with $1.4 million. And this is somebody who has talked about the issues and challenges he has had with budgets his entire career. Mm-hmm. So if he was able to do this, in my mind, what frustrated me the most is that this was a wasted opportunity. Mm. Like he could have taken, like, like, because, you know, it's Spike Lee. And, you know, 16 days, you can assume this was shot real quick. Right. Give them 30 days. Give them $3 million. And instead of doing this almost cosplay, like do something else with it. Like you, you, you can make something substantial. And I think that's what frustrated me the most about this film. A, it doesn't justify its existence. B, it was a missed opportunity where he could have done something else. You done? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, good. Because I'm going. All right. So, The Sweet Blood of Jesus. Um, uh, uh, to quote someone very near and dear to me, oh, sweet baby Jesus. Thank God this movie is over. This movie is long needless there is no reason for this movie to be over two hours this is over two hours right um you know that you are in for trouble when many times you're opening your opening credits to your film ladies and gentlemen if they do <laughs> not add to the story of your film they should at least help set up something about your movie be it the place in which it is going to be filmed be it the tone 
of the movie, be it maybe um, images of some of the characters that will be in the movie. Um, be, maybe it may have some type of commentary on the theme of the movie, right? But if you are remaking a film that is from the 70s, it's from 1974, that is about a anthropologist who more or less turns into a vampire, even though it's the word vampire is never used in the original and never used in this film, but he more or less turns into a vampire um, who is going around killing people willy-nilly who also to be to be fair to the film falls in love with one of his victims ex-wife so much so that the part of the film part of the original maybe um depending on your read part of the remake becomes a love story if right. all of that is supposed to be true of your film then Tell me why does this film start with 10 minutes? <laughs> 10 minutes of one brother dancing in a playground in Brooklyn. Now, I'm going to give that brother, brother props. He's dancing his butt off. It is a beautiful, beautiful scene. He is he is killing it. The the the, the, the dancer's name is Charles Riley. They call him Lil Buck, and he kills it. He's he's breathtaking in in these opening credits. But it's ten minutes of it him is. dancing, and the dancing it, it it doesn't match the theme of this of this movie. It doesn't it doesn't match anything. The only thing that I can guess is that this unnamed dancer, Charles Lil Buck Riley, was one of the contributors on Kickstarter. <laughs> and his prize was that he got the dance in the opening credits. He donated $1,000 which gets you in the running to be in the opening credits. And sure enough, he won. So God bless you, Charles. God bless you, little buck. And you killed it. And for that, you are the absolute best part of this film. You talk about how this film looks good. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on Spike Lee for a little bit. Because Spike Lee, who we love, we like Spike Lee, right? And 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 we do. I mean, we feature his, the music from his first film as our theme music. You know, we don't know how much longer that'll last, but for now, we do, right? We're going to have to do one of his movies soon that we actually love. <laughs> I, I was just thinking about that. I was like, what's the last one we did? The Five Bloods. Mm. Right. Anyway. Yeah. I, I'm going to just tell you, I'm, I'm doing Get on the Bus in probably November. <laughs> We, we we may we may have to slide it into Black Horror Month, <laughs> right? Right. To get it right. sooner than later. Um, Spike Lee, who look look, look 
despite the last two films that we've reviewed here, we we both have nothing but considerable admiration for the man and for his skills, as well as for the majority of his filmography, right? And if if he wants to play around with this experiment or or what have you, for whatever reasons he he needed to get this movie funded through Kickstarter. I, I don't care. And he, he got 1.4 million. He was only asking for 1.2, which tells me that he had a plan for exactly how he was going to, going to do this. He got 1.4. So he got a little bit, he got $150,000 more, right? So he got more than what he was bargaining for to do this film. This film, despite the color saturation, which does look good, I'll give you that. This outside of that, this film looks worse than his student films. There are. Oh, I disagree, dude. Go ahead, Vince. There are scenes in this in this film where he stays on shots for absolutely no reason. The pe- the the the, um, the line reads are so slow he shot it in 16 days he could have shot it in six days if he had just told him to just read the lines like you if, if you could just do some better acting everybody is taking their freaking time and you and and i understand that he's because of his budget he's not working for the most part with the most experienced actors but that's where you as a director have to come in and you have to guide them a little bit more and he is and he is not doing it there are times where he sets up his camera i don't know what the hell he's doing there are moments where i can tell that he's trying to mimic some of these shots from i was was about to say that's all the original yeah and, and, and that's fair that, that that's fair on those moments, but you're Spike Lee, so you're supposed to mimic those shots, but you're also to, supposed to do them better, and you don't mimic them and continue on with the mistakes of those of those shots. And in some of those shots, I would dare say that the the effects are better pulled off in the original Ganja and Hess. Um, he. There are there are moments where, you know, um, the the staging is is weird and off putting. People's backs are to the camera. People, the camera is on one person, and there's like a whole conversation going on yeah. over here with someone else. And and, it, and you can get away with that type of stuff if what's happening in the frame is interesting but it literally looks like it's just somebody looking at the other people talking it is not you're not getting any type of you're not meant to read anything into somebody in in somebody's um thought process on at those moments in this film if you are then then shame on spike and his editors for choosing those shots and then shame on the acting for not being able to pull it off. I I think this film is is crazy self-indulgent and and yes. it, it, it 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 is there is music upon music upon music upon music upon music in this in this movie and only because it was 1.4 million dollars um 
you know, and I understand that he solicited a, a whole lot of like, you know, I was about to uh, say that's what that was about unsigned mm-hmm. artists, you know, to give them a shine. So, you know, he, he felt like, hey, well, y'all contributed to the Kickstarter. So here's your music in my Kickstarter movie. So that becomes nauseating on the movie. At the, at the end of the day, you you have to still as Spike Lee, the producer and director, because he's a producer as well on this thing, uh, you have to be able to, despite all of the Kickstarter-ness of it, have to be able to rein in all those influences and pick and pull for the betterment of the story and the film. And I don't think he does that. That's Spike. Getting on to the acting, the acting is horrible in this movie. It is absolutely horrible horrible in this movie we talked about felicia pearson who plays snoop in the wire who then who plays uh um i forget the, her character's name in in this film but she's only in it for for a, a slight moment you yeah i i don't think i've ever seen her outside of the wire so and if you've only seen her in the wire when she basically is just you know this this drug thug and mind you that's over 10 years ago you know in this film she is playing a quote-unquote sexy woman you've never seen her like this before and god bless her you know she was trying to do something else do something god bless her And, and you know and she almost pulls off the look it's when she opens her mouth and you realize that it's yo snoop you snoop and it's like oh what what happened here but God bless. She's trying to do something else. And in The Wire, she was a first-time actor. So this is not somebody who, who, who is an actor, you know, classically trained or anything like that. So I'm going to give her a pass, right? But Stephen Tyrone, Stephen, I want to I get the actor's name right. Give him his props. Stephen Tyrone Williams, Zara Abrahams. Elvis Nalesco, who actually has done some a, a face that you recognize from other things, mm-hmm. they are are they are just just like bad in this film. Stephen Tyrone Williams has zero 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 chemistry with anyone on the film, and he also has zero chemistry with the camera the only thing he has going for him is that he looks eerily like raj from what's happening the whole time i'm watching this movie i'm like that's raj from what's happening that's not raj from what's happening he looks just like raj from what's happening and he walks like raj from what's happening when you see him walking in the project you see that he looks like he belongs in the projects he looked like he was he was going to get stuck up in the projects he does not look like he belongs in the project he looked I like didn't he, think he did. Like I think he kind of looked, you know, like he was walking through New York. Nah, he looked. First of all, first of all, and I don't know if this was a, uh, an actor choice or whatever. He walked like he walked exactly like a white guy. He walked exactly. You ever see? You ever see the Saturday Night Live skit about the the chick who walks? Um, no, it's not even. This, it's that it was on uh, Seinfeld. The chick walks and she doesn't move her arms. That's exactly yes. how he walks. He doesn't move his arms and he just bounces on his toes like a white guy. That's the the entire movie. I was. That's what he what he looked like. The only one, the 
only one who comes off acting well, acting wise in this movie is Rami Malek. He is the only one who comes off uh, halfway decent in this film. Um, and, and that's because he knows exactly where he is. He's just having, having a good time. He is like, you know, he's turning his face to the whole, to the whole uh, proposition of this film. And he knows that bigger things are ahead for him as he would go on to star in Mr. Robot. Um, Everything else about this film is just boring. There's no, there's no, there's no pace. There's no sense of, of terror. There's no chemistry. There's no love. There is absolutely nothing. Ganjin Hess is not a well-made movie, but the visuals and the concepts and the thinking, the thoughtfulness behind it is what sells that film to be the classic that it is. All of that, every single piece of it is stripped out of this remake. And and I think that's, uh, I actually agree with you. I think the problem with both the acting, the line reading, everything that you said, I, you get the sense that Spike Lee's direction to the actors was basically be like Ganjin Hess. And the problem is Stephen Tyrone Williams is not Dwayne Jones. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And Zara Abrams, who actually liked Zara Abrams better than you did. I don't think she's great in this, but I was like, okay, like I could see her in something else, but she's no Marlene Clark. Mm. And, and at the, like the bottom line is this was a bad idea. Like it was a bad idea to try. First of all, I think it was a bad idea to try and remake it. Second of all, I don't think Spike Lee's style matches Bill Gunn's. That's true. Like again, That's that true. like you said about the concepts and the hazy, like like Bill Gunn's scripts based on, and I'm just going by the landlord and Ganjin Hess. It it has to bleed off the screen almost. Like it is impress impressionistic. Like yes. it is, it's like dream logic. Yes. And that's not who Spike Lee is. Mm-hmm. And you saying that, that all of those shots and, and everything that you said about it was people's backs and, and, and the action is going on over to the side. I would argue that he very precisely set that up trying to mimic Bill Gunn. And the problem is when you mimic it, it doesn't work. Right. So that, you know, again, I just keep coming back to, I wish he would have done something else. I just wish he would have done something else instead of this. And it is self-indulgent. Like, I don't think anyone, like, I feel in so many words, Spike Lee said it was self-indulgent. I thought you're talking about the 10 minute opening to me, the most telling thing about um, the sweet blood of Jesus is that Spike Lee went to Kickstarter because he said he didn't want to go through the motions of trying to raise the money himself. Right. Again, this is $1.4 million. 
And this is Spike Lee. Like, how hard is it for Spike Lee to raise a million and a half dollars that you can't even do that? That that should for Spike Lee, that should be like maybe two phone calls, maybe two phone calls. And again, as much as 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 I'll, I'll just say I love Spike Lee and I do think Spike Lee is an amazing craftsman. But the bottom line is the engine for the great Spike Lee film is passion. So you want to talk about the money like he was damn near passing the hat by the end of Malcolm X. That's right. Trying to get this thing done. As much as I had some reservations about a lot of the black Klansmen, that rage that he has, there are scenes in the black Klansmen that crackle. Yes. Yes. Off the screen, like the scenes with the Klan that mm-hmm. that are basically commentary on Donald Trump, mm-hmm. are 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 amazing. Yeah, yeah. This really does feel like it's like you ever think about perks, like when you get rich, like perks, like 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 you ever when you when you imagine being rich. Like, like I never really think about like cars and 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 jewelry and stuff. You know, oh, buy okay. my mama a house. Like I think about the perks I would want. Right, right. Like right. I would, like I would want, like, like you know, I'm not a sneaker dude, but but like I, I, you know, I love Air Force Ones, and you know, it's the Baltimore connection, and they had the color of the month with Air Force Ones, mm-hmm. and like I want all of those. Like I would get all of those. Mm-hmm. Or like figure out how to get the appropriately enough love and hate props, the love and hate ring props. Yeah, from do yeah. the right things. Yeah, but like it'd be like a perk. This feels like a perk. Like I'm Spike Lee. I'm a black film nerd. I like Ganja and Hess. You know what? Mm-hmm. I'll remake it because I can. And you get this. Yeah, and the thing the thing is is that like you said like this is a, a remake that didn't need to be done. I will give you that. I will I I will argue that it poss- it probably didn't need to be done. But if someone told me that they were doing a re- that a remake of Ganja and Hess was being was being made, I wouldn't be mad at that. Because to me, that might be an opportunity for one more people to revisit the original, and two, uh, who knows? There are some remakes that are superior or as good as the original. You know, it's few and far between, but it does happen. Um, so I wouldn't even, I wouldn't necessarily be even be mad at that. Much in the same way that we've we've said that, you know. Blackula is a film that is rife for revisiting, right? So I wouldn't be mad at that. But to your point, Spike Lee is the wrong is the wrong guy. He's the I I just there's nothing in his filmography that tells me that he gets it. Like if you want to tell me Spike mm-hmm. Lee is you want to tell me Spike Lee is doing a remake, uh, like he loves Bill Gunn. And he's doing a remake of the landlord. I'll 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 ride with you on that one. 
I, despite yeah. he might he might have fun with that one. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I'm not riding. I'm I'm not doing that. Yeah, because because and, and, I mean, and that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, but I think because again, it's more in his wheelhouse though. Yeah, no. Again, last I'm gonna go about our conversation just last week. I think what makes the landlord so powerful is that almost abstract imagery the surrealness of it the surreal like without that it's it like you can't do the landlord the landlord isn't as powerful if it's just a straight ahead film mhm like you need that element i got you okay all right like like you you know if we're going to stick with black directors it's it's kind of early but i'm you, you know what's my girl's name who's Nia DaCosta not Nia DaCosta who's making Candyman Nia DaCosta yeah Nia da, like from what I've seen from the from the clips of Candyman maybe her after last week's episode of Lovecraft Country Misha I'd Green love for Misha, I'd love for Misha Green to make an actual horror movie but yeah I, I, there's nothing there there's nothing there. What I would have liked is it's funny um, when Sarah mentioned body and soul on her list. And we've talked before about how so many of Oscar Michelle's films are lost. Mm-hmm. What I would have loved is you take that million and a half and you do some, you know, do some more research to try and find a copy of Bill Gunn's film. Because, you know, as we talked about, they've cobbled together something. But take that million and a half and actually try and find a pristine print of Ganjin Hess. Or see what work can be done to the print that, that exists. Right, that exists. But, yeah. I feel you. And, um, K, wait, not, real, real quick, K. Martin says, <clears throat> excuse me, once again, just because you can doesn't mean you should there, this was a horrible movie and painful to watch there was a reason spike didn't want to shop this yeah yeah i mean again i think he made it for himself i think he made it for himself and not for nothing even within it it really really did bother me how switching the gender undermines ganja's story now you saying it, it undermines her story. How so? I didn't like it either, but I'm wondering if I'm just not. And Ganjin Hess, when they when they their victim is male and they kill him, and then at the end, after Hess has killed himself, mm-hmm. and that male figure rises out. First of all, right. he's naked for as we joked about two hours. Yes, <laughs> it's that full frontal nudity. That for, you know, uh, you know, I guess our heterosexual male gaze, it was like, ooh, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's supposed to be from Ganja's point of view. Right, right. So for Ganja, this is another moment that empowers her. We are seeing the world now from her perspective. Mm-hmm. And again, she's now the queen. And this is her first subject. And you get that wonderful little smile from Marlene Clark. Talk about the images that have stayed with me from Ganja and Hess. That wonderful little smile she has at the end that they try to replicate in The Sweet Blood of Jesus, but it's not the same thing because now it's a female body, a female body that we met 
through this ludicrous, like I thought I was watching Cinemax for like five <laughs> minutes. I was like, why are we having sexy lesbian shower sex? Is it is it 1993? Am I watching Cinemax? I know. I thought it was an episode of The Hitcher. Right. And then as Hess's ex-wife, basically, basically what you have at the end are the two brides of Hess. Mm-hmm. So yes. that now, again, this isn't Ganja's story. This is, is a continuation of Hess's story. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was a real... To me, that was the worst misstep in the entire film. Like everything you said, the line readings, everything, you know, my argument about it being a, 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 a period piece and the class concerns. To me, the absolute worst misstep was that part. I, I think you have it did bother me and I think you've put words to exactly why, why it bothered me because I wasn't exactly sure uh, but I was like this don't feel right it don't feel right them, them switching that up you know what I mean um, it's not helped that again the acting is not, is not strong by, by those women um, and say what you will about, about Zara Abrams uh, and some of the other people in this film I think it's also very telling that n- none of them have many credits, if any, after the sweet blood of Jesus. Sure, sure. So, I mean, that that says something. The only one that went on to anything was, was Rami, Rami Malek. Malek. Yeah. Was this his uh, first work? I believe if if it wasn't his first work, it, it was close to it. It was very close to it. Um, 2014 this is like about two years before uh he he lands mr robot right you know i actually i actually liked the the church performance with Raphael sadiq and um valerie simpson and and john baptiste but even that like like the church it's again it's part of this conflict between this man putting on these european airs and sort of traditional culture. Mm-hmm. So that even in Ganja and Hesse, it was like an apostolic church that it really was, you don't want to use a word primal, but it really was this very primal service. And yeah. in this, it's it, it it's this it's this well-appointed performance. It's a well-appointed performance, but because it is, maybe because of the budget, I don't know, but because it is in such a shoebox of a room, um, all of the energy in there feels very, very plastic. And It, it felt it, like it, a little church to me. It felt yeah. like one of them little churches. I didn't feel like one of those little churches. It felt like somebody's living room. And, and it okay. felt... It, but but it felt it like the energy that you're supposed to feel like you're supposed to feel that Hess gets, uh, you know, you know he he gets filled with like the whole right. Ghost he gets swept bit. right exactly. Yes, he, he get he gets swept in it now because of the performance of the character. Neither Dwayne Jones in the original or Stephen Taylor Williams in this one are very exuberant in their exaltation and, you know, a holy ghost. 
But Dwayne Jones does pull it off. Here, I think the church does Stephen no... It, it, it does him no benefit. It doesn't give him no. any energy to, to no. read off of. And Spike at this moment very wrongfully I feel, well I shouldn't say wrongfully but misguided makes a misguided step here in that he employs one of his usual you know one of his signature uh, tactics of right. putting a person on um, on on a moving uh, camera more or less as yeah. the, the film moves back and it doesn't work it, it right. absolutely doesn't work and then but but he gets original with it because then he goes he backwards. Goes, he goes backwards. That's he right. He moonwalks. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, G- Gordon Mahan says, I love Spike Lee films, but this was the strangest one he's ever done. <laughs> Gordon, have you seen Red Hook Summer? That's all I'll say. You know, I haven't seen Red Hook Summer. Yeah, Red Hook Summer is, is a mess. Mm. Red Hook mm. Summer is... I won't be asking for red hook summer the next time we do a spike lee film like i really do like i really like i like i need like like we need a win with spike we we may have to go into the crates yeah yeah i need a we need a win with spike so but vince i gotta ask you though would you recommend that people see the sweet blood of jesus i would not i would not recommend that people see the the sweet blood of jesus You, you know what i'm gonna say like you know exactly you know exactly what I'm gonna say. Go see Gonja and Hess. Yeah. Like like the the great thing about the sweet blood of Jesus is that it led people like myself to Gonja and Hess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but no, there's 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 absolutely no reason to see this film. There isn't. Yeah, no. Anyway, uh, before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week on Black Horror Month here on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you. You're not going to pop it up? Uh, Vince uh, Vince loves it now. Vince wants it. (laughs) Black Horror Month. All month. All October, ladies and gentlemen. I expect some sound effects next week, Mr. Producer. Before we tell you what we're reviewing next week, um, Deborah Battle says she couldn't finish Red Hook Summer. It was boring. It was it was something. Red Hook Summer is something. I invite you all to send all of your feedback, thoughts, and concerns. You can email us. You can email us at mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Michaud Mission. Go to the themichaudmission.com. Uh, Join the newsletter so you can get the latest edition of The Michaud Mission Dispatch. Um, and you can check out The Michaud Mission everywhere that you find podcasts. We're available. show is available on Wednesday morning for your downloaded streaming pleasure. On Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, 
Overcast, tune in. If you find a podcast, you'll find the Michelle Mission right there. You'll also find us on the Podglomerate, curated podcast just for your listening pleasure. Go to thepodglomerate.com and check out all of the shows that they have there as well. They got the history of stand up on there. It's a nice dope podcast. Um, the Michelle Mission is also available as a radio show in an edited version every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM. Philly Cam. Philly Cam. People Powered Media, <laughs> 106.5 FM, here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU, 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. All right, Vince, next week All right. on, on the Michelle Mission, hey, it's my turn. Yes, it is. It is my turn to select a film for Black Horror Month, and I've got what I think, well, I should say I hope, is a good one, because I've never seen it. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've never seen this film, Vince. I, 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 have, to, I have to admit, I, I haven't seen it. However, You know I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it either? No, no, no. You know, I don't do, you know. Mm-mm. Oh, that's right. You don't do uh, horror, horror movies. <laughs> Vince doesn't do horror movies, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but, hey, uh, listen, this is a, a film that from 2001, and it is about a good-hearted murdered gangster who rises from the grave <laughs> to avenge his death. The film is actually an homage to black exploitation films of the 1970s. It's by Ernest Dickerson. Oh, and, it's, and it's you should have led with that. And it stars Snoop Dogg. How bad can it be? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are going oh boy. to Famous last words. lay down and Get real gnarly on some bones next week here on the Michelle Mission. All right. Until then, he's Vince and I'm Len. And in parting, we say. We'll see you in the sound of meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.